Welcome to the Crave Magazine Podcast, feeding your soul with art. If you're worried about getting it perfect every single time, you're not going to do anything. You have to find something within yourself and that you want to express. Don't ever say can't. The word can't is not in your vocabulary, ever. Are you willing to do what it takes to get to the next level? Artists are necessary to prove things that are impossible to prove. Don't be afraid to try new things and you can do whatever you want to do. And you know damn well that I'm on your tail. Got me chasing you fast as I go. All right, this week on the podcast, I am here with Megan Burt. Megan is an international singer, songwriter, and recording artist based out of Denver, Colorado. But she has definitely traveled all over the world and played her music, and she has recorded and released three albums to date. And Megan has personally backed me up as well when I sang at my wedding, and I haven't seen her in a long time since that day. We just reconnected recently. So, Megan, I'm excited to talk about your story and talk about your travels, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. So I'd like to start out with an inspiration, something that inspires you. And it doesn't have to be musically, it could be anything artistically or just maybe even spoken word or poem or something like that. Just something, an inspiration that you take with you throughout life. Uh, sure. I, have, I learned this quote um, at a songwriting retreat I did in November. And okay. I've been putting it on my journals since then and really trying to um, embody it. And I don't know where it comes from, but it is. Radiating your highest integrity is the truest form of self-promotion. Radiating your highest integrity is the truest form of self-promotion? Yeah. I just loved that. So that's what I'm, something I'm jonesing on lately. Do you know where that quote comes from or who said that? I don't. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't. <laughs> what, what, is that, what does that mean to you, radiating the highest form of integrity? Um, I think that, you know, in the music industry, it's easy to feel like the good guys necessarily don't win, like that it's not really about, like, putting in the time. Sometimes it's about... <sighs> You know, <laughs> you're, if you're bankrolled or like, you know, who's friends with who. Yeah. Certainly that's part of it. But it's just, to me, it's just sort of a form of solace that like, if I just keep being true to who I am and doing the best I can and being a good person that, that, that you know, hopefully that people will take notice to that and that that's what my legacy, my artistic legacy will be about. I've done some interviews with people in the music industry before who has spoke on that and they spoke about how going down a certain path in the industry they felt like they weren't staying true to who they were they felt that they were being sort of chewed up and spit out or you hear different expressions for people who go into professional music or theater or film industry and yeah. and they felt like they were living outside of integrity with who they, they are and what the industry was asking of them and so they changed their whole career path because of that do you yeah. feel as a professional musician that, that you get that kind of push from the industry itself to try to make you something that you're not? Yeah, all the time, of course. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? Can you expand on that? Sure. You know, there's no uh, rule book, so we're all just sort of looking what what else, what people are doing that seems to be working and trying to emulate that and what works for some, for one person doesn't always work for everyone of course you know and so it's easy to just watch yourself 
spin out into these rabbit holes of just chasing a fad or chasing what seems to be working because we all want success so bad. Sure, sure. I want to get into success m more, but before we do that, let's. I want to hear your story, uh, or if, if you would share your story or as much of it as you feel comfortable with. Tell the listeners how you got started in music, what you do. Tell us a little about how you got to here. <laughs> sure. Um, I, I grew up in Denver. Really fell in love with songwriting as a teen. Went to music college. I went to Berkeley School of Music. Studied a lot there, but I'm really focused on songwriting. And graduated and sort of have just been chasing this, chasing the dream ever since. <laughs> um, I travel a lot. I tour a lot. I'm sort of always working on a new album. So my life really revolves around album cycles and mm -hmm. the next project. Okay. Um, I do a lot of writing for other people too and not just for myself. So that's a lot of what my life looks like, performing and writing and touring. So you play guitar, I think. You didn't mention that. I play guitar. <laughs> yeah, that's primarily what I perform with. When did, you, when did you start on guitar? When I was 16. 16? Yeah, just, just before I turned 16. For someone who learns music, in my, like I grew up playing, like I think fourth grade or fifth grade was when they introduced us to music. So for me, sixteen seems kind of like late for someone to say, "Hey, I want to play music." What? What? Um, it is a little bit late. I, I grew up playing piano. Okay. But never really like consistently had lessons, so I'm sort of a dab piano dabbler. There was a girl that was older than me in high school that played guitar and wrote songs, and I just wanted to be her. So that was really. <laughs> what it was about for me. But yeah, it's, it is late. It's definitely late. And I feel that all the time. I went to Catholics. My parents sent me to Catholic, private Catholic school growing up and there are no music programs in those schools. So that sort of natural, like, you know, kids who like music mm -hmm. get to have uh, music programs. Like that wasn't the case for me. So I always had to seek it out elsewhere and it probably put me a little behind the curve as far as like traditional music education for youth goes. And so you start playing guitar at 16. At what point did you decide, hey, this is what I want to do for a living? Well, pretty soon. Like, I knew I wanted to go to music college. Yeah. And, you know, I went to school when I was 17, so I was probably, like, sophomore, junior when I started playing and then went to music school. So it was pretty immediate for me. Okay. And music school, either it's kind of a make or break you kind of thing. Like, either you... <laughs> Either you get through it and you stay in it, or, or people drop out and realize it sucks and it's hard. So um, I think I knew, you know, when I was sort of a, that I was a lifer when I went to music school and stayed and left and had no other dream but pursuing what I was doing. Okay. When you graduated from, uh, did you graduate from college or did you? I did, yeah. After you graduated and you were like, okay, I'm going to be a musician full time. Were you? Like, did you start off a full-time musician? Because you always hear stories of people who have to take job, like, you know, bar jobs and things like that. Or totally. Whatever. Yeah. I was teaching to supplement. Okay. Um, teaching music? Teaching music yeah. a little bit. Yeah. My story got a little derailed because I experienced a pretty um, hardcore illness in my early 20s. And um, that sort of set the course of my life a little bit in a way. I had moved out of Colorado and then got really sick and came back and... You know, it just sort of altered my trajectory. You know, once I got over that, I was definitely, I never had a real job, 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 but 
there was a couple years where I was just, you know, odd jobbing, like doing so many things. And there was a point where I knew that I couldn't juggle it all. And so I gave up all the side jobs to just focus on music. Okay. You know, mid twenties or something. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Was that because you got to a point where you were like, I either have to kind of put up or shut up. Like, I either have to make this a, a career or find something I else. I just was recognizing like how much time full time music takes. Mm-hmm. It's a full time job. Sure. And, um, it takes all of your attention and all of your energy, and I just really like recognized that there was no more room for. I just didn't have enough time in the day. There just wasn't enough time. So, so music, music it was. Music it was. Yeah. Have you, do you, are you familiar with the whole burn the ships kind of idea of Cortez and how, like when they're exploring the new world and how they landed, I don't remember, Veracruz or something like that. And in, and in order to incentivize his men to take over the natives, he commanded that the ships be burned. And so now it was either like they fight to survive or they die. I think that's become a metaphor for, especially in business today, but I think wow. it, it, it's true in the arts too. Like, burn or ships or die, you get rid of plan B because it distracts too much from plan A. And in your case, yeah. it sounds like that's exactly what you did. Yeah. There's so much weight in the, the idea of plan B, even though I'm full-time music and, you know, I make my living playing. Like, I still feel like I have some growth in the plan B, you know, even, (laughs) even though I'm still doing what I want to do, it's like, you're constantly having to negotiate your time and, and the, the things that you pursue, even when you're doing the thing you love full time, like it's, you're still negotiating where you put your energy and time and can always be doing it better. So I, I, I think about that a lot and I work on that a lot. Did you have support from like your family and friends? When you decided that this was your your career? I don't know. That's kind of a loaded question. Um, <laughs> you know, yes and no. Yeah. So, sometimes I think I did, and sometimes I feel like I didn't. <laughs> sure, sure. I know that's a little evasive, but... Um, I'm getting deep here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I never had anyone, like straight up be like, this is a bad idea, don't yeah. do this. Yeah. But do I wonder if things could have maybe looked a little differently? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I chose photography at some point, and that was definitely not what my parents had intended for me. And I feel like uh, kind of the same thing. Like, you always hear stories of people who are supported in their youth for whatever their dream is, and those those people end up doing really, really well because they had this kind of, support and it doesn't mean that you can't make it or be successful or be happy or whatever without it so it's all i always like to like find out where are we in our level of success based on our own drive based on being pushed from behind that sort of thing yeah so because because the answers that i hear are i think the same across the board you have a little bit of like it would be nice to have been pushed more i would have you know this like i can always reach higher kind of thing that artists tend to do about themselves yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, look, <laughs> a career in the arts is never, it's, it's always going to look really sexy from a distance. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's never going to be comfortable for anyone. 
like the artist or the people supporting the artist. Like it's just it's an interesting it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting thing, but you know, we just we move through that because it's important. Sure. Sure, absolutely. Well, you talked about being like an illness that you had in your 20s and and how that sort of derailed you a bit. So I was going to ask about challenges. That sounds like a pretty big challenge, but I'm I'm also curious about successes. What what are a couple of successes that you've had along the way that, you know, you're amazed at, wow, I did that or I played there or something like that? When I, after I made my first record, you know, independently and was kind of like, now what? <laughs> um, you know, I didn't have management or record label or a team at all. And so I spent a year or two submitting to a lot of songwriting contests because sure. that's kind of like the only, to me, it, it was sort of like a, the natural progression of, how do you build when you're just starting out and don't have money or people? Yeah. And that, I did really well in a lot of them. I won a few of them and that was a really cool thing that I think helped here and there. Did that, do you think that helped with your recognition and, and sort of you growing your audience? I think so. I mean, I think a little bit, you know, it's, it's hard to know. I think the hardest thing about being an artist is that it's a little hard to quantify like how wide your reach is so it's hard to know but I think it definitely didn't hurt I think you know any feather you can put in your cap is, is, is good <laughs> absolutely where have been some of the uh, places that you've played that you've just glad to have had that opportunity yeah I play, I've played Red Rocks a few times um, yeah how's that which is amazing um, truly amazing absolutely wonderful Mind-blowingly awesome. Um, <laughs> the reason I bring it up, the reason I bring up like Red Rocks a little more, I want to kind of focus on that a little more, is because for people outside of Denver that are listening to this, uh, like I grew up on the East Coast, and I, the only thing I knew about Red Rocks Colorado was it was where you 2 recorded an album. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I moved out here, and I was like, holy crap, this whole great place that's during the day it's free to the public, and we can go there, and we can experience it, and they have yoga and movies and all this stuff and then at nighttime there's these just amazing concerts and so many artists from U2 to the Beatles you know back through history have said what an amazing place Red Rocks is to play and I think for someone who like yourself or for anybody it's an amazing place to play so it's so I like to hear like your thoughts of being an artist that has played in different spots around the world and how you how Red Rocks compares to some of those places. Well, Red Rocks is like the greatest venue of all time ever anywhere. So it's convenient that it's in Colorado. I mean, it's truly a magical space. And I, you know, and I'm not saying that bias, like everyone says that. So I think that I am lucky in, in the fact that I, that I happen to be a Colorado based artist and that there are opportunities for people to play at Red Rocks that aren't necessarily at the level of U2 and that's not as accessible to people in other markets so it, that's kind of a luck thing for sure but I don't take it for granted yeah um, absolutely you know I was featured with the Colorado Symphony Orchestra two years ago and that was a life-altering experience as well and I think I have a, definitely a love-hate relationship with Colorado in a big way why is that I really struggle. I think because I'm from here. Yeah. All I ever wanted to do was get out. <laughs> that's not, that's everybody's story, many right? Many times. <laughs> um, and I do 
too. You know, I tour a lot. I'm in New York all the time. I make my records elsewhere typically. It's not like I don't leave because I do a lot. But, you know, Colorado has a lot going for it, and it's also still behind as far as, like, L.A. and Nashville and New York and where a lot of industry is. And Mm -hmm. it's a hard place to tour in and out of. Like, there's just... There's a lot that's hard about it, and there's a lot that's wonderful about it. So we take the good with the bad, but, you know, the good in the good category, it's like I'm really lucky that I I have had opportunities here that I may not have had in those larger markets because, you know, I was able to be a bigger fish yeah. in the pond sure. faster than, not to say that I'm, like, at the top of my game, but, like, you know what I mean? There's some cool stuff that happens when you are not competing against thousands, when you're just, I hate to use the word competing because we're not competing, but, you know, we're all vying for the same gigs. Right, (laughs) right, absolutely. um, When you're up against hundreds and not thousands. So it just changes the game a little bit. And and I've had some cool things happen because of it, and that's really awesome. That is very cool. And it's funny you said that... um, I interviewed an art, a visual artist by the name of Michael Gadlin a couple of years ago, who was a Denver artist, and he had a, he said almost the exact same thing for you as you did for verbatim. He, I think was I even think New York was the place he studied, and um, one of his professors or some mentor in his life was like, "You can be a big fish in a small pond, or you can struggle as a small fish for the rest of your life." And so his thing was moving back to Denver to grow his base and to grow his talent and his skill and his name and then it was easier he, his feelings were it was easier than to transfer to a bigger market by already having a bigger a bigger name locally do you find that to be true as well yeah definitely i mean i think there's still a lot of truth to all you need to do is become a hometown hero yeah you just need to become a hometown hero because that because it's so much easier to grow from that place everyone wants to claim things from their hometown, you know, so there's definitely some strategy in that, I think, for sure. Have you had much radio airplay with your music? I've had some radio airplay. I've never done, like, a AAA campaign or a, you know, AC campaign. Sorry for those people who don't, uh, who aren't. Yeah, what's AAA? What's Privy AC? to um, those are radio <laughs> formats that my music falls into. AAA mm-hmm. music and AC is adult contemporary. Okay. You know, KBCO, you know, those sorts of radio stations. It requires a lot of money to be on those radio formats. And mm-hmm. so I've been on radio formats that are a little more kind to independent artists. Okay. One thing that I think about Denver and Colorado specifically is that we have a lot of musical talent that... that comes out of here and it seems like more and more there's a variety of musical talent that makes a a national or an international stage and I'm thinking of recently like the fray the lumineers chain smokers still waiting for a girl girl that's right so what do you think separates like how do you I mean I guess I I guess the answer would be if you knew how to do it you'd do it but like how do you get to that next level because you talked a little bit earlier about kind of trying to increase your game when it comes down to it, it's all about the songs. Uh-huh. It's all about the songs and the money, honestly. It's it's a gross topic, and it feels heavy and dark and not fun, but there's a lot to be said for it. It takes money to make money, and 
marketing campaigns, I, I think a lot of people don't realize this, but independent artists, meaning people like me, are not backed by a record label that are self-funding or fan-funding their lives mm-hmm. and their careers, you know, a typical PR campaign for me should probably cost $30,000, and that's not including making the record. Wow. And that's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a lot of money for anyone. And so you have to have songs that people want to listen to, and, and you have to have the money to put it in front of them. And so I think that I'm always working on, you know, the songwriting and and then being creative and strategic and a smart businesswoman about where to get the marketing budget to back to back the songs. It's kind of a rude reality, but it's kind of the game, sure. unfortunately. Sure. Is that one of the things that you uh, hate about the industry? <laughs> Again, it, that's like such a loaded question because the internet has made it possible for independent artists to have careers and at the same time there's so many so many more of us now that are all that are all wanting people's attention there's so much music that gets made and put out i mean like seven hundred thousand cds a year or something like the number is is so large that it's hard to wrap my brain around how many people are recording records and putting it out. And I love that. I mean, I love it. love that there's so much art being poured into the world, but it just makes it a little more challenging. Sure. And at the same time, like, there's a lot more opportunity. So the people that are good at leveraging that opportunity are the ones that are, that are popular. So... That's sort of just what I'm always wrapping my head around and working towards and thinking about. How to how to leverage your your music. How to and leverage your... the stage, you know, how to leverage the internet, how to leverage a digital audience. Yeah. So I mean your music is fan I I think your music is fantastic and I've seen you perform <laughs> Well that I wouldn't have you on here if I didn't, but I but I <laughs> see you perform I've seen you perform two or three different places and then for the audience who doesn't know, yeah, I asked Megan to uh, she graciously just played with me and backed me up when I sang at my wedding. It was the first time I've ever sang. I was doing it. I wasn't nervous at all. We haven't really talked about this, but like I realized, I think it gave me like preparing for that song and, and doing that song, even though it was for like my family and friends and whatever, just my own thing that I wanted to do. It really gave me a, a I think a very, a much better understanding for what it really takes because I practiced the hell out of that song and I, and I, I did exactly what you told me. You're like, you need to practice this every time you're in your car, when you know when you're in the shower, whenever your wife is not around or whatever, your girlfriend's not around. And I did, and she, like, there was a couple times where I think I was at home practicing, and she came home, and I, and I was just like, I'm just singing to the music, you know, and I totally played it off. But, but it gave me a really good understanding, I think, for how much work is required, even for someone who's good and talented and has spent years on their craft. You. A musician puts in as much work as any other um, artist out there. And I feel like it's not more so because, like you said, at this point, you don't have an agent, right? Yeah. And so so you're doing all of your work, agent, promotion, all that stuff. And then you even told me, like, you manage the band yourself and the guys yourself. And you see so you're like a kind of a one-woman show running the whole Megan Bird experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do have an – sorry, I heard you wrong. I do have an agent okay. that shares – kind of shares the job with me. Okay. 
he does a lot of the Colorado stuff, but I do sort of the outside of Colorado stuff. Outside. But yeah, I definitely feel like a woman woman show. And by the way, you killed it at your wedding. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> well, <okay>. Thank you. <laughs> I hope you're not saying that just because I slipped you some no, money. <laughs> it's really, it's hard to... It's hard to do that, you know, it's hard to get up in front of people and do something uncomfortable, and, you know, that's how we grow as humans, so Absolutely. I am so proud, man. Yeah, well, thank you, I, and I thank you again, I felt so honored that you agreed to do that with me, and that you helped me practice and, and uh, got through that, so, yeah, that was a great, great experience, but um, <laughs> Good. I, I wanted to ask you how being a musician, a professional musician, has affected other areas of life, your relationships, things like that. Oh, God. <laughs> I told you I was getting deep. Uh, I mean, it's it's really hard. It's really hard. I'm married to this. Yeah. I'm married to this. It's. I think about it 24/7, and I get up every day and do something towards that goal every single day. Sure. And I prioritize it over almost everything. Yeah. Um, and it, it definitely, it affects your relationships. It's You know, when you you miss out on baby showers and bachelorette parties and weddings and funerals and your anniversaries and your yeah. partner's birthday and, like, uh, holiday, like, you know, Christmas. And it's, like, I've, I've missed so much and chosen this over that because it's important to me and it's it's hard not everyone gets it not everyone understands that and it's you're constantly weighing like are, are you a good enough friend how do you how do you be there for your friends and i don't know it's it's really and it's, it's totally hard it's really, it's, really, it's really hard it's probably not as hard you know you probably get varying answers on that but like for me personally, the way that I operate, it's hard. Well, you know, I, I, I do get very answers. And what I hear that's consistent is for someone who loves what they do so much, they're willing to make the sacrifices that you've made. They're, because to them, and I think like maybe perhaps that's a way of thinking about it as not as a sacrifice or not missing those things because you, you did make a choice. And like right. you love music and you wanted to take this path. And so sometimes it causes sacrifice. I when I used to work, I used to live in Florida. I used to work for Disney, and Disney is busiest during the holidays. So right. when I worked there, it wasn't I was I was never able to take off for a major holiday that everybody else was taking off for. I had to work because that's when they're working. And so that's similar to you. And um, before we got on the call for this is a late we're doing a phone call our time local at it's almost eleven o'clock p.m. And that's, for most people, considered really late. And I realized, well, she's an artist. She's performing in clubs and bars and on stages all over the country. And those are usually evening performances, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I imagine you kind of have adopted your life to having more of an evening kind of schedule than... Yeah. I mean, do you get up at 7 o'clock in the morning every day or 5 o'clock? No, but like 8. Yeah. 8, between 8 and 9, probably. You know, going to bed at like 1 or 2. <laughs> If you didn't get paid to do this, if, if you, if like finances were taken care of and you could do this just because you loved it, would you still do it? Oh my God. 
yeah, and it would be way better. Like because I right. wouldn't have to take the gigs that I have to take just to make the money, you know. I, I, I play a lot of gigs that I call my day job because they're not my favorite, but they're in one piece of bills. Right. So if right. I didn't have to worry about that and I could just focus on, like, what I love all the time, I'm just going to be like, writing songs. All the, all the, you know, it'd be, it'd be way, it'd be way better. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be way, do, so, and you, and the three albums that you've published, or produced three albums, or, I'm sorry, uh, had three albums published, uh, of your original work, I know one of them was Megan Burton Friends, and that was a collaboration album, correct? Yeah. Where you collaborate with other artists, and then, tell, tell me about the other two. Yeah, two full-length records, one's called It Ain't Love, one's called The Bargain, I have two EPs that I threw away, because... I just don't think they were good enough, so I don't really talk about those, but I guess technically I have two EPs and three albums, and another album that'll come out probably this year. It's a record I wrote with my friend Zach. We started a band called Ginger Bond. <laughs> just five redheads. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like so much fun. And then I'm working on my new record as well. So yeah, there's always a lot going on. Sure, Absolutely. Let me ask you this. What's one piece of advice that you would give to someone who's starting out as an artist, whether it's in music or in other art? It depends on the day. <laughs> Sometimes I would say go to law school on a, on a bad day, but on a good day, <laughs> what would I say? I would say find a mentor. Yeah. Find a mentor. I think mentorship is really, really, really important and something that we have really gotten away from. It feels like culturally, it's game. It feel it seems like it can be game changing. So, I'm, I take it then that you've had a mentor or two. I've had I've had people that have championed me through the years, and people that I have went have gone to for advice and stuff. But I am really recognizing in my life in the last year or two that I need. I really, really want a female in the music industry mentor. Mm. It feels really important right now, and I am sort of very open to that in my life. Okay, well, let's put it out there. Yeah. <laughs> any, there. any females that are listening that uh, can mentor <laughs> musicians? Because it, it made me think of, uh, and I wonder if this is in the music industry, maybe you know, it made me think of uh, the production company that uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon started, uh, Green Door or Green Something Productions, where they encourage people to to send in their screenplays and what and the whole idea was that they were helping young uh, screenwriters and directors get started in the film industry and, and producing these pictures that otherwise wouldn't get produced. Does something like that exist in the music industry for people who are struggling or starting out or want to take their career to the next level where they can find help and mentorship? Um, uh, probably. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. You know, and very, like, I know, you know, in Colorado, Youth on Record yeah. is a nonprofit that really supports um, youth doing music. Okay. For someone like me, I haven't found it. You know, I think one of the hard, harder things about being a woman in the music industry is that at some point, you know, women who are doing this in their 20s decide that it's not you know that like touring is really hard and they want to be a mom and sure. start a family and it, it seems like you know finding women in their like 50s and 60s who've been in it for lifelong um it's just harder to find 
you know, I'm not a rookie anymore, but I certainly need and want guidance. So I don't know. I would, I would, I would really love to know if that's a thing. (laughs) (laughs) We'll start looking for that. Um, Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, like there are plenty of women killing it. I I don't mean to like, I'm not like ragging on women. Like there are a lot of women in their thirties and forties with families touring and they're badasses, but it's still a desperate, desperate proportion. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask, did you, did you feel any of those societal pressures as a, as a woman to like, Oh, you're going to need to have a family and have kids and do that. I don't feel it societally necessarily. I mean, I, 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 I'm reminded of it constantly. Yeah. Um, Cause I'm at the point where friends are getting married and having babies and stuff like that. So you see it around um, I think and think about it a lot. Yeah. I see it around and I think about it a lot um, as someone who wants those things. It's kind of like, how does this fit into my life and what decisions do I have to make in order to make that a reality for me and still keep growing my career? Sure, sure. We're recording this in early 2018 and there's been over the past year, there's been this big Me Too movement with oh boy. equal rights. <laughs> So, and I'm guessing that that is very prevalent in the music industry as well. And would you feel comfortable speaking about that or speaking about changes that you've seen or, or not seen over the past couple of years? That's such a big, big, big topic. Is there a lot of sexual harassment or gender harassment in the music industry at this level? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's not all, um, it's not all blatant and malicious you know I think a lot of it is unconscious and learned and there's there's just a lot there's just a lot and it and and you know I think that the changes that we're gonna see I you know I'm really excited about where things are headed and I think it's really cool I I think it's a conversation that needs to be had and I think that it's a conversation that is can't be blown over lightly. Like it's yeah. hard for me to really talk about it in quick terms. Cause I think there's just so much to it, but I will say that I, I think that the changes that we are going to see from it will, will be 20 years from now when the 10 year olds, you know, the, the seven, eight, nine, 10 year olds that are coming up in music have been in it for 20 years. And that's great. We have to start somewhere. Uh, absolutely. Well, I think maybe music more than any other artist, artistic endeavor, when it comes to women, it's there's a large section of it, except maybe fashion, I guess. But I was thinking of like the sexuality of it or, or the sensuality of it. I mean, se- sex sells and the music industry is an industry that perpetuates that sexuality, especially among women. I mean, it holds true with men. For, I mean, going back to Elvis and Prince and things like that, that kind of male sexuality. But... For women, it's show your boobs and your butt and get sexy and wear tight clothes and sing sexy songs and you'll go far. In this. And we've seen that with recording artists in the past. And so it seems like there's, like I said, a, a sort of a bit of a dichotomy between we need to have these equal, equal footing for all genders, for all humans or whatever. We should be on the same plane, but yet we're selling music through human sexuality and most often the sexuality of women. Definitely. But I think that, I think that that's where the conversation is not so simple. 
I think that there's a lot of music that's getting sold right now that's really not necessarily about that, and that we're seeing a lot of women artists come up that that are being championed for who they are, and it's that, and for, it's for their writing, and they're playing their performance, and it's not all, it's not all overtly sexual. You know, there's still issue with that, but I think that a hard thing about the the feminism movement is that like part of being a woman is there are a lot of feminine aspects that are inadvertently can be sexual but for me it's just like being a woman and mm-hmm. I think that some of the issue happens when when intention gets confused okay sure like I don't know if that makes sense like just because um, I'm dressing sexy and singing sexy doesn't mean I want to sleep with you I mean, in the very raw sense of it, you know, that's, I mean, just like on a date, just because I'm singing right. sexy to you doesn't mean I want to get a bed with you. Right. And, it, and, and I don't want to not wear a dress just because I'm not, you know, it's like, I like wearing a dress. It makes me feel pretty and I'm a woman and right, whatever. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think like a lot of the feminist movement where I want to see, where I personally want to see it go is like letting women be women, not mm-hmm. making women be men. <laughs> right. Right. Um, for me, a lot of the Me Too movement is uh, less about being put in sexual positions that I'm uncomfortable with, and let me be clear, that's happened plenty, and it sucks, mm-hmm. you know, and in situations where I didn't ask for it, but it's it's sort of more, I, th- I think the more um, detrimental part of it is when women are underestimated and under underutilized and we are we aren't being invited to the stage in the same way and i i think that's where it's going to cha- where where it's going to change and then to be in the new new generations 20 years from now i think that um i think that those sort of issues that i feel like i've faced of i'll just let him do it you know or someone's going to take the, the oper- like, uh, you know, where I'm not given an opportunity to shine because it's just easier to let him do it. Oh, right, right. Like, where those sorts of things are going to change. And that's what I'm personally really excited about are those sorts of equal playing fields, less about the sexuality of it because that that's just a harder conversation because no one's in those rooms. No one knows when it was invited or not. or right, You know, sure. the intention behind those encounters, like... I don't know. It, ha- it, it happens all the time, but what I want to see for women is like opportunity, and I think that that happens with mentorship and with with being taught at a very young age that you know the girls can take the solos too. Sure, sure. We, you talked earlier about mentors, and you just brought it back into the conversation. So tell me, who are three artists that inspire you? Hmm. I have a super, super big girl crush on Rachel Price, Lake Street Dive. Okay. The singer that fronts Lake Street Dive. I just love her. Lake Street um, Dive. What's her name again? Yeah. Rachel Price? Rachel Price. Okay. Yeah. God, I have so many, Jim. Um, <laughs> there's an artist that I know from circles that's in Utah. Her name's Mindy Gledhill. She's okay. an indie artist and I've just watched her career and watched, you know, I, I just really like her voice and the chances that she takes and 
um, stance that she takes on things and you know she's a mom and she's got kids and she's married and she's a career and she's artistic and it's and and you know I consider her kind of a friend and a peer and it, it's really amazing to watch her do what she does really gracefully sure so that's one another one okay <laughs> are there any any big names that 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 you aspire to be like, or that, like, okay, if I'm going to take a, nat, a a stage on this level, there's somebody oh, that God, I can look up to. There are so many. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm like a huge Bonnie Raitt fan. Yeah. I love her music, and I grew up on it, and she really inspires me, her philanthropy. Anyone who hasn't seen her live, I think she, she's like 68, and she puts on such a great rock show, and... Her chops are amazing, and I just feel like she doesn't subscribe to this gender thing. It's just, like, people who can play, and it's not about, like, a girl with a guitar. It's just, like, musicians. Sure. And just a musician. She has such an amazing connection with her fans, and she always dedicates songs to her fans. And, like, at live at shows, my, I had, for my birthday a few years ago, I had some friends email her bassist who went to Berkeley, so it was kind yeah. of... He was able to find through the network and told them a little bit about my story and how much I loved her. And she gave me a shout out at Red Rocks. Oh, that's birthday. awesome! Back to Red Rocks. <laughs> at Red Rocks, yeah. <laughs> I mean, awesome. it was just, and like, but that's the kind of artist she is. She's like very outspoken about her politics and her environmentalism, and you know, she doesn't really subscribe to like the drama of Hollywood. You never sure. know her her beef. Like, it's, I just really love her yeah yeah you um mentioned politics and music is a lot of times it's can be very political and getting away from the sexuality it can also be very sexual or sensual um so usually songs are about love or songs about pain or songs are about politics and looking around the world situation do you where where does your art lie or does it lie in all three i think it changes with how i'm changing you know, if we're doing it right, music is the soundtrack to our lives. So sure. it, should, it should it should be about everything, and it and it is. The record that I'm working on now is certainly the most political of anything I've ever done. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's overtly political, but my the the topics and the songs that I'm writing about are certainly about like the journey of self, and not as much about love this go around okay my first record was a lot about love and my last record was a lot about being sick in my 20s and sort of just the journey of that and this next record will be a lot more about being like a person on the world stage okay yeah 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 so growth like it's your like you said it's a, it's the soundtrack to your life so as you grow the music tends to grow with you yeah yeah what do you what do you hope to give to the world as an artist it's really easy for this to feel very self-serving. I think that's a hard part of being an artist is that we are constantly fighting for our dream and the whole point of it is to share it. So I hope that it's landing on ears that love it and listen and it's helpful and, you know, I can inspire people and encourage people and help people. and Sure. You just hope that it's landing <laughs> <laughs> okay okay i think one of the things that i really enjoy 
about music, especially live shows, is is when when the artist knows how to work the crowd, and I and I think that you definitely know how to work the crowd, and you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have the highs and the lows where you get the energy up and the energy down, and I liked a lot of what you guys did on. The last time I saw you uh, in a bigger venue was at the Bluebird, and I liked the way you closed the show with the percussion. It was so powerful, and uh, I remember, do you know the band Ozo Motley? Mm-hmm. So I remember yeah. seeing an Ozo Motley show in Boulder, and they did kind of the same thing. They did a conga line, but it was all they all got drums. Every single artist got drums, and they walked out, and they played drums through the crowd and did the sort of the, like conga line all through the crowd, and it was just percussion, and I think they also had a couple of brass instruments. But they worked their way through the crowd, and then they got back on the stage, and then they did like this encore thing. And your performance reminded me of that, of oh, awesome. the way you guys all beat the drums, and it was like such a great way, a powerful way for the show. So I, I really commend you on that. I think you have a really a command of the audience when you perform. Thank you. So just, I appreciate you saying that. Well, absolutely. It's just a little side thought there. I wanted to ask, what do you think holds most artists back from becoming professionals or just being the best artist they can be? I think the fear of being good enough is a is is a real thing. Yeah. What do you I mean? We we edit ourselves quickly. We compare ourselves. We don't believe that what we have to give is good enough. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes the dream of it can be debilitating because instead of making art for art's sake, we're making art for the glory of sure. the feedback and I think that you know, we see that so much in our culture. The feedback is so important. Like you put on a you put a post on Instagram, and you immediately are looking back to see how many people enjoyed what you posted. Right, right. That immediate glorification and satisfaction. Uh, the immediate like the satisfaction immediate of satisfaction of, of, of recognition. Approval. Yeah. Have you seen that the photo? There's a, like a, a meme that has like a bunch of Facebook thumbs like piled up on, and there's like a nose that's snorting these likes like cocaine, <laughs> and it's like the thumb, the thumbs up, and it's, it's a pile of these thumbs that this oh nose is snorting up. And I mean, that's kind of what social media has become: is yeah. getting that recognition is an, is more important than, like you said, I think maybe the quality of the work or what's being spoken. It's gonna, it's gonna be interesting to watch how it changes art in the next ten years, I think, and changes people's output. And it's such a lonely thing. Social media is such a lonely thing. Yeah. What do you mean? It's just so isolating. You know, it it's really wonderful that we have access to a lot of people, but I had this moment last weekend. I was in New York, and I went to a show. And it's not profound, but it was a light bulb moment for me where I realized that whenever I go see live music, I'm really inspired. And even when I'm seeing people that are fucking badasses and like a hundred billion times better than I am, I still leave inspired and fired up and wanting to get better at what I do. And whenever I see people on the internet, whenever I'm like flipping through, I feel bad. I feel bad about myself. And they're not even necessarily like quote unquote better than me or something like that. It's it's just is somehow that barrier of me to my phone or the digital world is enough 
to dehumanize what's happening for sure. me. Okay. And I just realized that, you know, inspiration for me as an artist just always needs to come from the live setting because I, it doesn't matter how good people are. I always leave feeling inspired yeah. and I, and like, I always leave my phone feeling like I'm not doing enough. Interesting. Okay. And so I think that, I think that when you talk about what's holding people back, it's this constant comparison to what everyone else is doing and feeling like you're always behind and what you do isn't good enough. And, and while, you know, I think art is to be shared, there is something to making art for art's sake and just doing it because you are called to. Yeah. Absolutely. There there's a quote and I don't recall who said it, but it was um something about you worry less about what people think of you when you realize how little they actually do. Have you heard that before? <laughs> no, but I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's like we we're so we're so concerned about what other people think about us and, and they, they think the same thing. Yeah. I I think yeah. Yeah, certainly there's something to that. You know, I think that like there's intention is such a re is such a such a heavy important thing. Like, I was actually thinking about this the other day about how getting dressed up for me, I want it to feel like I'm exploring my artistry. Right. And that I think that it will be more satisfaction more satisfying for me if I use it as a a way to be playful and um, practice the art of and use it as an art form, like just like making things beautiful. Because oftentimes, like getting ready for me just feels like a pain in the ass. <laughs> it feels stressful, and it yeah. does feel like who am I like getting ready for? And I, I think I have this thought of like, I bet it would be way more fun if I if I was doing it like as if I was making a painting or writing a song. Or, sure, sure. That's a good way to look at it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think like the intention, you know, intention is really important. For sure. Well, let me ask you then, last deep question. You started, you started playing when you were 16, and there was probably a couple years there where you said you dabbled in the piano. So what I want to ask you is, if you had 60 seconds with that 16 or even 17-year-old self, what advice would you give her? <laughs> uh, hey man, these are the, the deep questions. This is getting into the mind of a master here. I would tell her, no matter what, practice every day. Yeah. That that is your only job and that's the most important thing. I would tell her, I don't know. That's what I, that's going to be my final answer tonight. Well, I like the practice every day is, is I've not heard that before from anybody. And I think that's really important for an artist, regardless of whether it's, you know, music or stage or visual art or whatever. Like if you're not practicing your crafts, you're definitely not getting better at it. Yeah, absolutely. So practice more and that's all I'm going to say. That's <laughs> <laughs> what you said. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. That's, that's going to be my answer tonight. Okay. All right, sounds good. You said you're working on a couple albums. You've got possibly two albums coming out this year. Is that correct? 
Yeah, I'm not sure how they're going to be released. Okay. Um, with singles versus album, but I, I have three projects, actually, right Three now projects. Okay, wow. That. So there's a lot going on. Busy, busy. Are you touring this year, this summer? Um, I am a little bit. I definitely have some Colorado stuff. I have some sideman work, playing bass. Actually, is new for me. Oh wow! Playing bass in another band. Um, like bass guitar or upright bass? <laughs> oh god! <laughs> uh, yeah, bass guitar. Okay. Um, that's scary enough. Yeah. And, wow, that's um, cool. And then I'll tour Europe in the fall again. Okay. Yeah. Hope, I think Gender Bomb will do a little run around a release. And, uh, it's like yeah. your house is caving in back there. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that's like that's like. Can't, can't, do can't do anything about it. <laughs> All right, cool. As long as everything's I don't okay. Live alone. <laughs> so, uh, and people can find out about you. I mean, I'm sure just Google Megan Burt, M E G A N B U R T T, and I bet you can. Yeah, I just did it, and the entire first page of Google is everything about you, except for the. Well, the, the last listing on the first page is with you, with another group that I love is Shell. Oh, another, cool. yeah, Shell with Megan Burt. Um, but yeah, you dominate the second page. Oh, and then there's a couple other musicians at the end. So yeah, if those of you who want to get in touch with Megan or find out more about her, uh, Google Megan Burt on your Twitter, Megan Burt, and all the social media. And you have a SoundCloud page as well. Yeah, I'm on all the things. All the all the socials. So. Yeah, for the, you guys, check out Megan Burt's music. Um, she's amazing, amazing, amazing musician, uh, amazing artist, and I feel very honored to have you on the podcast, and I thank you so much Thanks for your for time. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you letting me gab on forever. Absolutely. Any last words you want to say to the, the listeners? Everyone should sing to their spouse at their wedding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that'll, take, that'll be it for Megan Burt. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Megan. Thanks for having me, Jeff. All right. The music for this episode of the podcast was, of course, Megan Burt. We featured her smash hit, Fast As I Go, off her 2015 release, The Bargain. Check out the video for the song, and check out Megan's music wherever you listen to your music. On the iTunes, the Spotify, on SoundCloud, whatever googly schmoogly that you wonderful Android folks listen to on your Androids. And uh, we will see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Crave Magazine podcast. I am Jim Wills, your host and producer for this episode, and I am on a mission to bring art back to the world. And with your help, we can make that happen. So please, take a moment to leave a positive review for us on iTunes. And if you like what you heard, even more importantly, tell your friends. If there's something that we can do better, by all means, let us know. And if you are an artist or even just want to hear from a favorite artist, well, send us a message. We are putting this show out for all of us who love and appreciate the arts. So tell us how we can improve. Remember... Always be good to one another, and of course, take time to feed your soul with art.